0: It is officially spooky season again, my favorite time of year, and so for your enjoyment, I've put together a scary list. Okay, so maybe not scary in the traditional sense, like the girl from the ring or tax day, but I'm sure these events certainly kept Dana White up at night because today is all about cursed UFC cards. Now, not the ones that just got outright canceled, those were beyond cursed. These are the cards that barely made it to broadcast, there were so many issues, and or the event itself had some eerily weird occurrences. So turn the lights off and get ready for some scary stories by the YouTube campfire. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 Truly Cursed UFC Events. Number 10, UFC 279. We start with some recent history only landing at number 10 because the card somehow turned out better than what they originally had planned. 279 was one of those paper-thin pay-per-views that could only justify its asking price so long as the main event between Nate Diaz and Hamzat Chemaev remained intact. The card was meant to be headlined by a bantamweight title bout between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw when it was originally announced, but that fight got bumped to 280 with Nate and Hamzat getting the rare non-title pay-per-view main event. Things started getting weird on Thursday of Fight week when the card's press conference was canceled midstream after a pair of backstage brawls broke out between the teams of Kevin Holland and Chimaev, then Diaz and Chimaev, prompting a flustered Dana White to send poor Li Jing Liang with his fresh suit packing as he called it quits. I mean, it's a fucking travesty. The next day would see three weight misses, the most damaging being Hamzak coming in seven and a half pounds over, essentially torpedoing the entire event. The solution would be a 24-hour three-fight shuffle, since Chimaev and Holland had back. Stage beef, they got a fight, Tony Ferguson got bumped up to the main event for a fan-favorite veteran fight against Diaz, and the leech was paired up with D-Rod as leftovers, but still, how fun, right? A much better event. There were six catchweight bouts on the night, and I didn't even mention the five undercard fights that fell apart before we even got to fight week. It's a small miracle this event even happened, let alone worked out. Number 9, UFC Vegas 5. Alright, so you knew this was coming, Pete. The Rones obviously had a huge impact on the UFC's business, especially early on when restrictions forced five straight events to be cancelled. And while that whole era after it was cursed, nothing comes close to UFC Vegas 5. The event was meant to be headlined by Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana, but COVID-19. Both Trevin Giles and Ed Herman lost their opponents because COVID-19. Ed then got GM3, but on the day of the fight, it got scrapped because COVID-19. Giles' new opponent was Kevin Holland, but he passed out on his way to the cage, so that fight didn't happen, although Dom Cruz on commentary for some reason thought they might still let some one who passed out fight. Viviani Aujo versus Jennifer Maya got moved to this card because of COVID-19, but would see the former replaced with Jojo Wood because COVID-19. Eric Spicely versus Marcus Perez was cancelled when Eric caught COVID-19 just kidding he missed weight and was cut from the promotion. Then Insac nixed a replacement opponent, so Perez fought boredom. Catlin Vieta versus Yana Kuditskaya was randomly bumped from this event and made for a week later only to get cancelled until the next year, and three other fights had sudden changes and or cancellations for undisclosed reasons. All in all, this disaster of a show would only see eight total fights. That's including prelims and everything. The new main event became Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian in a three-rounder. Rough week during the Pandy. Number 8. UFC Fight for the Troops. The UFC held three events from 2008 to 2013 that were specifically for the US military that aired on cable and helped raise money for the Fallen Heroes Fund. The first of these events would be one of the most weirdly violent shows the UFC has ever put on. When the dust had settled at the end of the night, six different fighters would require hospitalization. First, on the prelims, Corey Hill broke his leg, Anderson Silva style, five years before it was cool. Then former Navy SEAL Brandon Wolf was sent to the hospital with a massive forehead hematoma, Joanna Violet style, 12 years before it was cool. And for the main card, the losers of all of the last four fights would be sent to the hospital as well. First, Nate Lochran, who broke a rib at some point during the fight, which would get called by the doc after the second. Then Razak al Hassan got his arm horrifyingly broke by Steve. Well, Jonathan Goulet was viciously KO'd in 33 seconds and sent to the ER. And finally, the big one in the main event, Josh Koscheck's KO of Yoshiyuki Yoshida would result in the fighter being carried out of the octagon on a stretcher. Maybe this sport is too violent. It's just spread out enough that we don't get freaked out enough about it. Not on that night, though. Number seven, UFC 250. All right. So as far as pandy pay-per-views that fell apart go, most people look to 249 because that was the first one back. And of course, for the last time, we lost Ferguson versus. Zabib in the main event, and while that one is historic, may I point out to you the disaster that was UFC 250? First and foremost, of course, the COVID impact. The card was supposed to happen in May and was meant to be a banger of a show in Sao Paulo, and while there weren't restrictions at the time that were stopping them from using the venue in Brazil, the place ended up becoming a makeshift hospital to treat patients with COVID, so the event was moved to Vegas at the Apex in front of precisely zero fans four weeks later. The original headliner was Triple C defending his bantamweight strap against Jose Aldo, but when the card got moved to the U.S., Aldo was a no-go. A title fight between Amanda Nunes and Felicia Spencer, when the card was originally scheduled, was called off because Nunes needed more time to train, which she got because of the delay. So that fight was back on, and the new main event. There were so many Brazilian favorites that were supposed to be on this card when it was in Sao Paulo: Big Nog, Shogun, Aldo, Nunes, Fabricio Verdum, Betch Coheya, of course. All of them, but Nunes removed from the card for one reason or another, mostly related to COVID. All. In in all 10 bouts saw changes, reschedules, or outright cancellations, the resulting pay-per-view would be one of the lowest selling in the modern era with just 85,000 buys. Number six, UFC on ESPN plus 25. There have been over 6,500 fights in UFC history and only 20 disqualifications ever, which means DQ will happen in only 0.31% of all fights. So then applying that number to cards, only 3% of UFC events will ever have a fight that has a DQ finish. Well, guess what happened UFC on ESPN Plus 25. There were two disqualifications on the night. This is the only time this has ever happened in UFC history, and if that doesn't qualify a card for being cursed, I don't know what does. Not only that, but both of them took place on the main card and were for the exact same foul. Nearly back-to-back, they only had one fight between them. Do you realize how impossible this outcome is? I'm not smart enough to do the math, but you probably have a better chance of getting struck by lightning while winning the lottery. The first DQ went down when Kazula Vargas straight-up KO'd Brock Weaver with a nasty, illegal knee. There was nothing to consider here, the fight was over, it was a clear DQ. The second one you probably remember, and that was Diego Sanchez's crafty veteran move, taking the DQ win against Michelle Pajeda for his illegal knee. Another fun fact about this event, it's the only time the UFC has ever gone to Rio Rancho, New Mexico, which means that city is cursed. Don't ever go there, and if you live there, leave before Cazula Vargas knees you in the face in your sleep. Number 5. UFC 133. Two separate title fights would fall apart before 133 finally found its main event non-title bout, but it was a hell of a journey getting there. Originally meant to be headlined by Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes for featherweight gold, the King of Rio needed some time to heal up on some injuries, so they bumped the fight. Then it was a light heavyweight title fight between teammates John Jones and Rashad Evans. JBJ had just captured the title, and Evans was coming off a successful season coaching tough, followed by a million buy pay-per-view headliner against fellow coach Rampage Jackson, but Jones needed surgery to repair an injury to his right hand and would need three months to recover. Evans decided he didn't want to wait and accepted a fight with Phil Davis as the new headliner, but surprise, as it turns out JBJ didn't need the surgery and chose to fight Rampage the following month since Evans was already booked. But three weeks before 133, Mr. Wonderful injured his knee, leaving the UFC scrambling to find a replacement for Rashad. They offered to Tito Ortiz, but he declined. Then Lyoto Machida took the fight, then changed his mind, saying he would need more money to sign the contract, which went great as you can imagine, so he was out. Their last option was Vladimir Matt from the undercard, but the janitor got hurt too and he couldn't go. So finally, Tito apparently changed his mind and saved the card. The rest of the matchups were a disaster too. Eight fighters had to pull out or be replaced at one point or another from scheduled fights. Lil Nog versus Rich Franklin was scrapped altogether after they both got injured. Ricky Fukuda had three different opponents at various points. This thing was a hot mess and only did three 300k buys as a result. Number 4. UFC 159 Sometimes I think the MMA gods punish us for booking fights that should not be. Like 159's main event between John Jones and Chael Sonnen that saw the middleweight earn a light heavyweight title challenge, despite having not fought in the division for over 8 years, off a loss to Anderson Silva, a cancelled pay-per-view, and a season of tough. Before the night in question, it was your standard fare of fallings out. Three undercard fights had last minute opponent changes. Where things got spooky was fight day itself. First, Nick Catone was hospitalized due to dehydration and his fight with James Head was then scrapped just before the show started. Then Yancey Medeiros was TKO'd when he broke his thumb trying to prevent a takedown early in his fight. Two bouts would end via technical decision as a result of eye pokes, one of them being the co-main event between Michael Bisbean and Alan Belcher. That was after the commission randomly made Alan cut his foot wraps off before walking into the octagon. Bruce Buffer announced the wrong winner after Pat Healy subbed Jim Miller and JBJ's toe exploded for reasons I still don't fully understand which would have made Son and the champion had he survived just 30 more seconds oh and apparently satan himself was cornering the count as between rounds during the fight a bizarrely demonic voice could be heard over the broadcast that has never been given an explanation number three ufc 177 thank you very much Welcome to the haunted UFC card! This event was almost more cursed than it ended up being, though, as it was originally going to be headlined by the John Jones Alexander Gustafson Light Heavyweight title rematch, but that got moved to the next pay per view. Had it remained, though, Gus would have dropped out about a month before the card with a torn meniscus and replaced with Daniel Cormier, that is, before JBJ would have pulled out two weeks before the event with an injury of his own. So at least that didn't happen, but we did lose the rematch between Henan Barrow and TJ Dillashaw for the Bantamweight title, which was to serve as the main event before the Brazilian was KO'd by a bathtub when he passed out during his weight cut and hit his head. He would be replaced by debuting prelim fighter Joe Soto. The co-main event was to be a Mighty Mouse title defense, but when that JBJ fight for the next pay-per-view fell apart, they took Johnson off 177 to save 178. Several undercard bouts fell apart at the last minute, and even with the UFC having to book three UFC 176 fights for this card when that one got cancelled, this show still only ended up with eight fights total. Soto hung in there though. Number two, UFC 223. How could we talk about cursed cards without bringing up 223? In order to properly tell the tale of this one, we need to go back to UFC 205, where Habib Nurmagomedov called Conor McGregor a chicken in his post-fight interview. This then led to Conor's teammate Artem Lobov implying in a Russian language interview that Habib was in fact the chicken, which resulted in a viral confrontation between the two on 223's fight week. This then prompted McGregor to fly to New York where the card was being held to confront Habib, which resulted in bus full of fighters getting a dolly thrown through its window. The subsequent fallout would be that Artem's fight with Alex Caceres was cancelled, Mike Chiesa who caught some glass to the face, his fight with Anthony Pettis was off, and Ray Borg had to drop out of a bout with Brandon Moreno because he got glass dust in his eyes. But the shit was just starting to hit the fan. The most cursed fight of all time headlined the card, Habib versus Tony Ferguson for the vacant lightweight title. And wouldn't you know it on April Fools Day no less, El Kakui tripped over some wires during a media appearance, and- and blew his knee all the way out. Max Holloway was then brought in on super short notice to try to become double champ until the doctors stopped his weight cut and the fight was canceled. Then Paul Felder was going to step in, but the commission wouldn't allow it because he was unranked, resulting in Habib winning the title over number 11 Ally Aquinta. Most of this was caused by calling somebody chicken, something only Marty McFly would find reasonable. Number one, UFC 149. Dana White literally called this card cursed himself, which is a pretty solid endorsement for the number one spot here. Our story starts where so many MMA tales do, the United Nations. They were holding a conference in Brazil, which forced the rematch between Anderson Silva and Chael Sonnen to go from 147 to 148 in Vegas. Tommy, you idiot, what does that have to do with this card? Well, Jose Aldo was supposed to headline 149, defending his featherweight title against Eric Koch, but because 147 lost Silva Sonnen, the UFC was going to shift that fight there to save that card. Then they changed their mind, moved it back to this one, but Aldo got injured, so he was off the show anyway. So they took a fight from 148. Uriah Faber versus and Burrell, which was only for interim bantamweight gold because Dom Cruz got hurt again, shocker. And that now served as the main event. Then there was the undercard, my God. Get this, Sexyama was supposed to fight Tiago Alves, right? They both get hurt at different points and then completely replaced with CR Bahadurzada versus Chris Clements. But then CR gets hurt and replaced with Matt Riddle. This was like Theseus's MMA card. Michael Bisping was meant to fight Tim Bosch, a fight also pulled from 148 to bolster 149. The count would drop out and get replaced with Hector Lombard. Big Nog was supposed to be on the card against Czech Congo. Cool fight. Nope, here's Sean Jordan. Thiago Silva and Shogun fell apart, and Hua was moved to a fight night card. This next one is my favorite, though. The UFC announced that Bibiano Fernandez was going to make his debut on the card, but then he pulled out himself, citing that he'd never signed with them. Okay? And those are just the big fights. There were two other prelims that fell apart as well. In addition to the event being held together by three pieces of duct tape, some hot glue, and the power of friendship, it ended up absolutely sucking. Seriously, it was a terrible card. Don't watch it, just don't do it. It was so bad that White afterwards vowed to make it up to the people of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And by that, he meant only ever go there one more time six years later. This era of paper-thin disaster booking would culminate a few cards later at UFC 151, the first ever canceled event in the promotion's history. You know who would have never let 151 get canceled? Max Randall. He would have used his editing powers to find a way to make it work. Please show him some love on his socials for this video, as well as Mr. Ben Rosette for the stellar tunes he provides us. Dude is a champion. And please, if you could, like and subscribe. It's always a huge help to us. What upcoming card are you most worried about the MMA gods cursing? Let us know in the comments. Thanks so much for watching, and have a great day, guys.